Hope everybody's having a great day today. If you'll please stand with us.
seated. Good morning. Welcome to Northside Baptist Church. So thankful that you are here to worship with us. Man, on this beautiful Sunday morning, amen? This is like perfect weather uh, right here in fall weather, which we have not had in about, what, nine years in Florida? There is no fall, so loving, 
loving the weather. Well, good morning again. I want to welcome you to Northside Baptist Church. If this is your first time with us, thank you for being here. You are our guest, and we are honored uh, that you're here. Hopefully, you, uh, you saw the bulletin that is, was there on your seat. If you'll just take that out, I want to encourage you to pay attention to the announcements, what we have going on as a church, ministries uh, that you can get involved in. Also want to draw your attention to uh, the Welcome to Northside section. If you could take a moment, if this is your first time here, just to fill that out. Um, on the back, there's a place for, for prayer requests. If there's any way that we can be praying for you, uh, we, want to, we want to be faithful to do that. If you have any questions uh, while you're here, uh, if there's anything that you would like to learn more about Northside, don't hesitate to ask someone sitting around you after the service. And if they don't know, they can probably point you to someone um, who does know. And so again, thank you for being here. Man, I was excited uh, to gather uh, and to worship with you today. And it's already, man, got off on a, on a great, uh, great note. And so God is worthy of our praise. I want to draw your attention uh, for a moment to 1 John chapter 4. Our text before us this morning is verses 1 through 6. And in the middle of that section is verse 4, and it'll appear on the screen and I just want us to take a moment as we continue just to worship this morning, as we continue just to, to glorify our God in heaven. I just want verse 4 to encourage you today. And it says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. But I have good news for you. Through Jesus Christ, there is victory. And the Spirit of God, if you are a believer in Christ, lives in you. And the Spirit who is in you is greater than anything this world can throw at you. And so maybe you just need, over the next minute as you pray through that verse, you just need to say, Lord, man, just strengthen me. Help me to take my eyes off of the world and to put them on you. And, and maybe there's a, a struggle in your life right now and you just need to pray for victory, that you would walk in that victory, that you would walk in that deliverance that Jesus Christ has purchased for you. So however the Lord leads you, just take a moment, pray um, through this verse, and then I will pray for us, and then we're going to continue to worship together. Oh God, you are welcome here this morning. Lord, we invite you, God, as you are the ruler, the one reigning over all things. You have authority over every person who is in this room. Father, we are here not to make much of our name, but to make much of your name. Oh God, we have victory this morning. We have overcome. It is not I that has overcome, but it is you in me that has given me victory and deliverance over sin. You have set me free from hell. You have delivered me from myself. Lord, you have come in and you have healed my brokenness in the mess that I have made of my own life. Oh, Spirit of God, move in this place. 
in such a powerful, mighty way that each and every one of us, when we leave here, will leave knowing we were in the presence of a holy, powerful God. Change lives, deliver people from addiction, set us free, Lord, from that which is holding us back. Oh, Spirit of God, convict us. Bring us to our knees if necessary. Bring us to a place of repentance. Spirit of God, speak through me. May every word that I say be spirit-led and spirit-filled as I just point people and, and exalt Jesus Christ. Spirit, that's what you're doing this morning. You are exalting Christ. You are testifying to the truth of who Jesus Christ is. May we see and behold him. And oh God, may you be glorified. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? Let's continue to worship together. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, you soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner, it must not suffer
prayer, right? You feel that way this morning? Let's stand again as we sing. standing, if you will, in honor of the reading of God's Word. And if we have any children, second grade through our three-year-olds, you can head out to Children's Church. You can head there, that way over to that door. Maybe you've already left, but if you haven't left, you can go. 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. 
And this is the word of the Lord. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And by this you know the Spirit of God, that every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come unto flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. You may be seated. Eureka. Eureka. That comes from the Greek word, which means I have found it. Eureka. This word, Eureka, became the life slogan for thousands of California gold prospectors in the mid-1800s. I also learned this week that Eureka is the motto for the state of California. Which I didn't, I didn't know that, but it is. Eureka, right? Eureka, that word summed up every treasure hunter's dream. Many prospectors found instant riches uh, through the, the gold mining process in the 1800s in California. But these would-be prospectors quickly learned that not everything appeared to be what it actually was. It wasn't always gold that they found. In fact, these miners had to be very careful to distinguish real gold from fool's gold, iron pyrite. They had to distinguish. And so experienced miners could often tell the difference simply by looking at it. They could tell real gold versus fool's gold. But there were prospectors who weren't as experienced. And so what they began to do is they began to develop tests that would help them distinguish the real from Fool's gold. One test involved biting the rock in question. They would bite it. Real gold was softer. Fool's gold, harder. And so through these different tests, they could distinguish real gold from fool's gold. And this was important because a miner's fortune and their future depended on their ability to discern the genuine from the fake. In our text this morning, John is concerned that his readers be able to spiritually discern that which is true from that which is false. That we would be able to spiritually discern the Spirit of God from these false spirits that were in the world. And so, just a couple of things I want to draw your attention to. Number one is this. Believers, those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, must be discerning in spiritual matters. When it comes to spiritual matters, you and I must be able to discern that which is true and from God versus that which is false and from the world. Now notice two words I think that help connect the previous section with our current section this morning. The first word appears in verse 23, and this is his commandment that we believe. That word believe, we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. You drop down to chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. We are to believe in Jesus, but we are not to believe every spirit. The other word is the word spirit. 
Verse 24, the last part of that verse, chapter 3, And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Chapter 4, verse 2, By this you know the Spirit of God. And so John has just told us the Spirit of God dwells in us, and then he begins to teach us how we must be discerning. So four statements to kind of help us work through verse 1. Here's the first statement. They'll each appear on the screen. Believers have the Spirit of God, but there are other spirits in the world. John says believers have received the Holy Spirit, but now John is asserting that not everyone who claims to have the Spirit of God actually has the Spirit of God. And so look what he says, chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. This is an exhortation. This is in the imperative form. You are commanded to not believe every spirit. So what John is doing right off the bat is he is saying, you and I as believers must be discerning in spiritual matters. We have to use this gift of discernment that God has given us. So that's the first statement. Believers have the Spirit of God, but there are other spirits at work in the world. Here's the second statement. It's a quote from John Stott. Behind every prophet is a spirit, and behind every spirit either God or the devil. Look what John says. This is important. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many prophets. But what's the word he adds there? For many what? False prophets. John is saying there are going to be false prophets. And so we have to discern the true prophet from the false prophet. And behind every prophet is a spirit. Behind every spirit is either God or the devil. Now we live in the physical realm. But we often speak of the spiritual realm. The Bible teaches us that God has given us his spirit. But there are other spirits active in the spiritual realm. Other spirits active in this world. So here's what we need to know. Spiritual activity is not necessarily godly activity. There is a lot of spiritual activity in the world in which we live. But just because it's spiritual doesn't mean it's godly. We are to seek and we are to recognize godly activity. Behind every prophet is a spirit. Behind each spirit is either God or the devil, which leads to the third statement, and that is this. False prophets appear to be genuine, thus the need to test the spirit and their teaching. Right? Follow John's logic here, beloved. Do not believe every spirit. Why? Because we are to test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. The word test means to prove, to examine. Like coins that are being tested for genuineness. Like gold had to be tested for its genuineness. You and I are to test a prophet. We are to test a teacher of the word of God. Why? Because not every teacher and not every prophet is of God. They don't always come from God. John's not the only one to warn us of this. Jesus himself warned us of this when he said, Matthew 7, 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. False prophets appear to be genuine at first. Wouldn't it be just a lot easier 
If every false prophet of the Old Testament and the New Testament, every false preacher, every false teacher wore a sign that said fake news. Like that wore a sign, I'm a liar, don't believe in me. Like wore a sign that said, I'm not from God. Like that'd be a lot easier if every prophet walked in and you could just tell right off the bat, that's a fake teacher. That every time you turned on the TV and began to hear somebody preaching, you knew right off the bat, they're not real. I don't need to listen to them. They're not from God. But what does Jesus say? They come to you in what? Sheep's clothing. Satan is sneaky. Satan is good at what he does. And so those people that Satan is using, false teachers and false prophets, come and they look genuine at first. Jesus also tells us, Matthew 24, 11, many false prophets will arise to lead many astray. False prophets are designed to lead us astray. God's people have always had to use discernment. Deuteronomy 13, Deuteronomy 18, right? They were given guidelines to know how to discern between a true prophet of God and a false prophet. You and I as Christians have to use discernment. We have to be able to recognize those who are really from God and those who are not. Now, the tactics of the enemy, they're good. Those false teachers seek to sow seeds of doubt. Right? No false teacher will just outright come out and say that, which is false. Because that's stupid. They know you would recognize it. They're deceptive. They will give you a lot of truth and begin to sow in lies to cause you to doubt. Right? They will begin to lead you to a place where you deny God. They will lead you to a place where you begin to distort the truth of the gospel. They're good at what they do. That's why so many people are deceived by them. So you and I have to test. We have to discern. Which leads me to the fourth statement, and that is this. The content and character of a preacher and of a teacher matters more than their delivery. Church, we are living, and all of us are guilty of this, because it's the age in which we live. We live in an age of entertainment. We want to be entertained. And sometimes we want speakers and teachers and preachers who entertain us. Now look, we should all be, if we're teaching and preaching, good communicators. And we should all try to work on that craft of being better communicators, The problem is sometimes when we're looking for a preacher or looking for a teacher or trying to find somebody to listen to online, the first thing we're interested in is do they entertain me? Am I going to fall asleep? Are they boring? Right? There's some guys you can think of right now that preach that are very entertaining. They will keep your attention. But here's the problem. Their delivery is not near as important as what they say. And over time, their character will reveal whether they are genuine or not. So here is what John is calling us to do, and here is my exhortation to you. You and I, as Christians, need to be people who see, who hear, who read, and then measure what we see, hear, and read, and measure it with the Word of God. Is what I just read in agreement with the Word of God? Is what I just heard in agreement with the Word of God? Is what I just saw in agreement with the Word of God? You and I must become like the Bereans.
When it says of them, they receive the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Hear me. I do not want you coming in here on Sunday mornings, hearing what I have to say, and then saying, well, Pastor Aaron said it, it must be true. No. I want you to hear and see and read and then go to the Word of God and say, is, is what I heard in agreement with the Word of God? We have phenomenal Sunday school teachers in this church, but I want you to test them because you are called to test everything with the Word of God. Now, what can happen is one of two extremes. One, we test nothing. We believe everything. The other is we become so cynical that we believe nothing. That everything your teacher says is wrong. Everything the pastor says is wrong because you know it all and we become cynical. Those two extremes must be avoided. Hear, see, read, and then test it with the Word of God. John calls us to test the spirits. To discern what is from God and what is from Satan. Listen, not only do we live in an age of entertainment, but we live among a people who are so gullible. Christians included. Everything you read on Facebook isn't true. In fact, a lot of stuff you read on Facebook that you think is real news is actually fake news. You better be able to discern it. You ought to know what's the Word of God say. What is true? What is true? Hear me. How many meals did you have this past week? I've, I've talked about this before. How many meals did you eat this past week? I guarantee you it wasn't one. And I guarantee you're not going to eat just one meal this week. Listen, you cannot survive and thrive and recognize error if the only time you're being fed is from 10.30 to 11.30 on Sunday mornings. You will starve. And Satan will pick you apart. Pick you apart. you got to know the Word of God. How much time did you spend on Facebook this week? How much time did you spend watching Fox News? How much time did you spend watching CNN? How, how much time did you spend listening, watching your favorite television shows, watching your movies, all of that you're bringing into your life, into your heart? Now, how much time did you spend in the Word of God? For me included, right, I spend far more time worldly things probably than I do in, in the Word of God just because a lot of your life is coaching upward or whatever it may be. It's not, not necessarily spiritual. But the point is we have to spend more time in the Word of God or we're not going to be able to discern. So the question becomes, well, how do we discern? How do we know the genuine from the false? Well, John gives us a test here in our text, and that's the second thing I want you to notice, and that is this. Believers must apply the Christological test in spiritual matters. So how do we recognize the truth from the false? Verse 2, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. False prophets will eventually reveal their true colors, meaning where they come from. Is it from God or is it from Satan? And they will eventually reveal that through their confession of the truth of Jesus Christ. He states it both positively and negatively here. Look at the negative first in verse three. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. 
This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. So hear me. Satan is ultimately the great deceiver. Satan works through the spirit of the Antichrist. The Antichrist, that one who is to come, and the smaller Antichrist, which are present already. That which is anti to Jesus, Satan works through them. And Satan then also works through false prophets and false teachers who are peddling the word of God for their own gain. John MacArthur writes, Any ideology, philosophy, or opinion, or religion other than God's truth fits Satan's agenda. If it does not line up with the truth of God's word, then it fits Satan's agenda. So, negatively, the person who does not confess Jesus is not from God. Then he states it positively in verse 2. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every believer receives the Spirit of God in their life. And John says you can recognize the Spirit of God in this way. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. The role of the Spirit is many. Chiefly, the role of the Spirit, according to Jesus, is to exalt and give witness to the truth about who Jesus Christ is. That's what Jesus says in John 15, 26. But when the Helper comes, who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Listen, the Spirit of God always exalts Jesus Christ. Always testifies to who Christ is. So you can tell a teacher and a prophet for being genuine or fake by what do they say about Jesus. And then he tells us specifically what that needs to look like. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. This is the Christology test. A Christological test. John is saying Jesus Christ is God. Notice his language. He has come in the flesh. Not that he was born in the flesh, but that he has come in the flesh. That word come implies he was somewhere else before he came. Amen. Jesus is the eternal Son of God. He has always existed. Now you compare that to every other religion. Every other religion, every other founder of a religion is a human being only like you and me. But in Christianity, God comes into the world. The Word takes on flesh. Jesus Christ has always existed. And that's what John is saying. You must confess that the Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. God has come in the flesh. But also, this implies you must believe in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. That Jesus not only is fully God, but he is fully man. So this morning, do you believe that Jesus Christ is God who has come in human flesh? That God the Son becomes a man, the Lord Jesus Christ. You must believe that. Here's what God says. God says, I'm going to go from the spiritual world. I've always existed. I'm going to go from the spiritual world into the physical world. God says, I'm going to become right, a human. I'm going to identify. I'm going to take on flesh, and I'm going to identify with my creation. I will live among them. I will live without sin. I will die upon a cross for them. I will raise to forgive them. And I'm going to win them back. I'm going to save them from Satan, from hell, from sin, and from their self. So God comes to us in the flesh 
fully God, fully man, that is Jesus Christ. Now, why does that matter? Why is it necessary? Why must you confess what John says you must confess in verse 2? Here's why it matters. If Jesus is not God, then Jesus cannot reconcile you to God. If Jesus is just a man, then Jesus cannot save you from your sins any more than I could save you from your sins because he's just a man. And we know men and women sin against God for all have sinned. Only God can reconcile us to himself. So Jesus must be God in the flesh. But not only must Jesus be God, Jesus Christ must take on human flesh. God took on flesh to save us from our sins. That is different from every other religion. Because every other religion teaches us this. That the purpose is to deliver us to help us be escape, to, to escape or liberate us from the flesh. That the flesh ultimately is evil. So whether it's going to heaven, achieving nirvana, to them, the problem is the physical world in which we live. This is the heresy of docetism. Docetism taught that matter, physical body, was evil. Thus Jesus did not take on flesh. God could not take on that which was evil. So Jesus really wasn't a man. He just seemed to be a man. He just appeared to be a man. But not really in the flesh, because God can't take on that which is evil. That is not what Scripture teaches us. Scripture teaches us that God received a body. Scripture teaches us that Jesus Christ was raised in bodily form. That Jesus, being raised from the dead, can say to Thomas, See! Touch. Why? Because he's still in the flesh. Listen, God is not going to remove that which he has created. God is going to redeem it. You may not like your body. That's fine. But you're not just going to become some spirit for eternity. God's going to give you a glorified body. Amen? A body much better than the one you have right now. And so the flesh isn't sinful. God's going to save lives. But God is also going to remove death. He's going to remove sickness. He's going to remove sin. He's going to remove poverty. So John's test requires us to believe in the true deity and humanity of Jesus Christ. Stephen Cole writes, A false teacher may be gentle and loving. He may speak prophecies that come true. He may, perform, he may even perform miracles or cast out demons or speak in tongues as many of them did in the New Testament. But the question is, does he lead people to follow a false god? Does he lead people to deny Jesus Christ? You want to recognize a true prophet from a false prophet? What do they say about Jesus? Or do they even talk about him at all? That's how you recognize whether they are from the Spirit of God or from the devil. He continues, verses 4 through 6, little children, you are from God, you've overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Now notice, notice the contrast, look at verse 5. They are from the world, they are from the world. These false prophets, these spirits are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. Verse 6, notice the contrast. We are from God, whoever knows God listens to us, whoever is not from God does not listen to us, by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. 
John says, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Now, there's disagreement on how we understand that word us. Who is John referring to? I think it makes sense there to say that John is referring to himself and the other apostles. John and these other apostles recognize that they are from God and that God has spoken to them. And therefore, they are speaking the word of God. So John isn't saying, hey, listen to me as some human author. He's saying, listen to me who has been, who's been listening to the divine author who is God. So here's how it works. The Spirit of God works through the servant of God to bring us the Word of God. And those people who really have the Spirit of God, that is, they know God, when they hear the Word of God, they respond. When you hear the Word of God... If you have the Spirit of God, then you respond to the Word of God. You hear God and you respond. Now look at verse 4. Let me encourage you as we close and then challenge you. Verse 4, little children, you are from God and you have overcome them. That's good news, church. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. How? How do we overcome Let's be honest. Satan is really, really good at what he does. Satan is great. Satan is powerful. But my God is greater. Amen? My God is more powerful. And so the spirit, God who is in you, is greater than the spirit of the world. Which means, through the spirit of God living in you, you have the ability to discern and avoid errors of false teachers. You're not having to do this alone. The Spirit of God helps you to discern, to recognize, and then overcome. That's good news for you and I, church. It's good news that you can identify and avoid false teaching, which continues to be ramped up more and more and more in our age. But there's also something here that really convicted me this week. So I shared with you guys before that throughout the week, I'll come in here in the sanctuary and, and I'll pray. And many times, you know, I'll sit and pray, but sometimes I just walk the sanctuary. And it's good exercise. I get my steps in, but I also kind of consider just prayer walking. I'll pray, and, and some of you, I know you kind of sit in the same seats, and so I'll, I'll pray for you by name as, as I walk and pray. And so Wednesday morning, when I'm in here and I'm just walking. I'm walking and praying and just looking through these verses, reading through these verses, just asking the Spirit of God to speak to me. And I come around that corner, and the Spirit of God just, I mean, He just speaks to me. He convicts me to the point that I didn't fall to my knees, but I sat down. I sat down, and it was related to verse 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Thinking about the Spirit of God in us. And then I begin to think, I begin to think about what John has taught us about how unbelievers respond to us in the truth. Here's what John says in his gospel. He says, one, they won't recognize you, they won't recognize me. They're of the world, we're of God, they won't recognize us. He tells us they will hate us. They'll hate us. And then he tells us here in verse 5, they won't listen to us. Because we're from God and they're not. And so then I'm trying to process this. I'm like, all right, God, so here we are. We are supposed to take the good news of the gospel into a world that doesn't recognize us, doesn't like us, and they're not going to listen to us. Like, how are we supposed to do that? Like, the odds are stacked up against us. Like, it doesn't look good in our favor. And then God just encouraged me. 
And he said, listen, I've called you to go and make disciples. And I am telling you that the spirit who is in you is greater than the spirit who is in the world. See, here's what we know. We know the world won't like us. We know the world's not going to listen to us. We know the world won't recognize us. But here's what we don't know, church. You and I don't know where the Spirit of God is at work. We don't know that. Because there was a moment in your life when the Spirit of God did not live in you. And he didn't live in me. I was dead in my sins, on my way to hell. I, I mean, I'd go to church, but I wasn't listening to the preacher. I wasn't wanting to love the things of God. I was trying to love the things of the world. I was lost until the Spirit of God got a hold of me. And He began to transform me. And He caused me to be born again. And now the Spirit of God that lives in me is greater than He who is in the world. Here's what you don't know. What you don't know is where the Spirit of God is working. Because right this moment, the Spirit of God may be working in your husband who is lost. You don't know it yet. The Spirit of God might be actively working in the hearts of your rebellious child or grandchild, and you just don't see it yet. The Spirit of God might be working in the heart of your boss, and you just can't see it yet. Some of you are going to go out to eat, and the Spirit of God might be strongly working in the heart of your waitress. She just hasn't figured it out yet, and there you are to minister to her. We don't know where the Spirit of God is working, but here's what we know. The Spirit in us is greater than he who is in the world, and we are called to go. But here's the problem, and here's where the Spirit of God ultimately convicted me. So we're not going. We're not going, church. Statistics tell us that 90% of Christians will never tell somebody else about Jesus. Nine out of ten of those of us in this room will never tell somebody about Jesus Christ who can save them from hell. So if we know that the Spirit of God in us is greater than the world, and we know that our God still saves, and we're not going, there's a problem. Now, here's how God works. And he was convicting me about this. Earlier that morning, on Wednesday morning, I was reading, and I was reading in Ezekiel. That's where my quiet time took me. And look, I don't understand a lot in Ezekiel. Maybe you don't either. I'm just being honest with you. But I understood what I read that morning. And what I read came out of Ezekiel, I believe it was 33. And it was talking about a watchman. It was talking about Ezekiel being Israel's watchman. And a watchman had a simple task. A watchman was simply to stay alert, to be awake, to observe, and if danger was coming, they were to blow the trumpet. They were to warn. They were to warn the city that danger is coming. That's all they could do, to pay attention and to blow the trumpet. Now, if they did that, they paid attention and they blew the trumpet, those in the city could take cover and they would be safe. But if they chose to ignore the sound of the trumpet, the scripture says that their blood would be upon themselves. Because the watchman did his job. He blew the trumpet and they ignored it. But then he says to Ezekiel, but if you watch... And you do not blow that trumpet, and they die, 
their blood is on your hands. I remember my interim pastor, Central Baptist Church, telling me a story when he was younger of how somebody in his church had called him up and he said, hey, I have a, I have a son, man, they're far from the Lord. Will you please just go talk to them? Will you please go tell them about Jesus? He said, man, I was busy. The pastor's lives are busy. And so I, I was just working and I never got around to going to see him. And then I got a call that he was in a terrible accident. He was in the hospital. He said, so I got to the hospital as quickly as I could. And this man was unconscious and he said, I went to his bed and I put my arms on him. And when I pulled him out, his blood was on my hands. He said, I never told him about Jesus. And yes, ultimately, he's responsible. He's got to answer. He's not going to hell because I didn't tell him about Jesus. He's responsible for that. He said, but maybe, maybe he would have been heaven had I been faithful to go tell him about Jesus. Church, I want you to be encouraged today because the Spirit of God is in you, but I also want us to be convicted that there are lost people going to hell, and we have the good news, and we have to start going. We have no other choice. It's up to us to blow the warning, to blow the trumpet, and what they do with that is up to them. But God's working in somebody's heart. And I believe this week he will put you where you need to be. But will you open your mouth? And will you point them to Jesus? Or will you continue to keep that trumpet and to keep silent and not warn them? So here's what I'm going to call you to do. I just want to call you to pray. Maybe some of you, man, I'm going to call you to get on your knees right where you are. Look, if you, if I, as I have been many times in my life, unfaithful sometimes just to speak up when I should, man, would you just confess that to the Lord? Would you just say, God, I don't want to be silent anymore? Because the same spirit that changed me, the same spirit that's working in me, is the very same spirit of God who's working in other people's hearts and lives. And you're greater. And man, I just want to be faithful. And if you have never trusted in Jesus Christ, and maybe this morning you realize you're a sinner and you're on your way to hell and, and something's going on in your heart, and that's the Spirit of God. He's working in you right now, leading you to a place where you need to confess your sin and repent of your sin and, and trust in Jesus Christ to be saved. So I'm just going to ask you right where you are, man, if, if the Spirit of God has just worked in you as he worked in me earlier this week and convicted me, man, would you just go before him and just cry out to him? Maybe get on your knees right there. I'm going to get on my knees, and I'm just going to begin to pray. Maybe there's a lost person you just want to pray for right now. Right now, would you just spend some time with the Lord as the Spirit of God leads you? Would you just confess your sinfulness to Him, take a hold of Him, and ask the Spirit of God to work in you and just to break our hearts for what breaks His? Let's take a few moments in prayer, and then I'll close us with prayer. Father God, thank you for saving a wretch sinner like me. Thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that covers my sin. Thank you 
Father, for pouring out the Spirit of God into us, for sending Jesus Christ to reconcile us to you. God, we just pray in this moment that you will just convict us. It says that the Spirit convicts us of sin, of judgment, of righteousness. So Spirit of God, move in our hearts right now and just convict us. And oh God, would you please break our hearts for what breaks yours. God, we know the only hope for this country is Jesus Christ. We know that. Or at least we should know that. I pray that we believe that. God, we have the cure. We have the answer. God, why are we so slow to speak? Why are we so hesitant to go? Is it a lack of faith? Is it fear? Is it just an uncertainty because we don't know the word, because we haven't been in the word? Lord, whatever it may be, would you just impress upon our hearts, just remind us that the spirit in us, God, you in us is greater than that which is in the world. Convict us, rebuke us, then forgive us, train us, and teach us. So the Northside Baptist Church will be a church that is blowing that trumpet as loud as we can, saying to people, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. Repent and believe in Jesus. Father, thank you for what you're doing here at Northside. Thank you, Father, for the work that you're doing in us. And we're about to celebrate, God, that right now, some of the work that you've been doing. And so, Lord, we thank you and praise you for that. Lord, if anybody here doesn't know you, but they just see me, see Pastor BJ, see, grab somebody on their way out and just say, hey, can you tell me how I can know Jesus Christ? Thank you, Father, for who you are. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I, I know it's already after 1130, and, but, but we need to take just a moment together and praise the Lord. Uh, for some work that, that he's been doing uh, in some hearts and lives here. So let me, uh, you all know, you all know these two people uh, much better than I do, and I'm getting to know them better. Uh, but, but Lily, I'm going to let you go first since you're the oldest. Lily, will you stand up for me? You can just stand up right there. Uh, this is Lily Jordan. Um, and we'll, CJ, you go ahead and stand up too, bud. We'll, we'll, there you go. This is CJ uh, Jordan. So Lily and CJ, after church last week, and I knew this because Mama had reached out to me, they wanted to talk to me about being baptized. And so I talked to CJ first. CJ came over first. I want to talk to him separately just to make sure that they knew. Um, and CJ, what, about a month, a month and a half ago, I think he said two months ago, uh, gave his life to Jesus Christ and wants to follow him in baptism. So will you celebrate that? And Lily had done that a little bit longer ago, had given her life to Jesus Christ, and she also wants to follow him in believer's baptism. So would you, would you celebrate that as well? You guys can be seated there. Good job, good job. And so it was just, it was awesome. It was awesome just to be able to have that conversation with them and just to hear from their own heart. That's what I ask. When, when it, a young child or a young, a young teenager comes to me and says they want to be baptized, I just want to know why. Like, why do you want to be baptized? And so... Uh, for both of them, they said, it's because I've given my life to Jesus. I'm a believer in Christ, and 
and, and I want to I follow that. And so uh, let me just share uh, just a little personal thing fr- from CJ's life. CJ's out here playing soccer with us on Upward, and it was about a week and a half ago. It was Tuesday. That's when we practiced. And CJ, I was up here by the gate in the gravel, and CJ came up, and, man, he was smiling. He was so excited. You know why he was excited? Because he got to pray for his team at the end of practice. He was excited that he got to pray over his team. And man, that's evidence of God working when we get excited because we get to pray for other people and to pray over people. And so I think right now we have six people in the church who are going to follow Jesus Christ in baptism. Uh, Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And one of those is going to happen next Sunday. Miss Elena is going to be baptized. She just gave me these big eyes like, what? Yeah. Miss Elena is going to be baptized next Sunday. She had made that decision to follow Jesus Christ and has given her life to him. And so she's going to, she's going to do that. And so, man, God is working uh, at Northside, and, and I rejoice in that. Um, quickly, if you'll just take a, a look at your bulletin, pay attention to some announcements. Two things I want to point out to you. Our women's ministry, they're going to conclude their Bible study at 4 o'clock. So you want to be here for that. Also, please pay attention that on Thursday, October 8th, they're going to come and they're going to reseal, repave the parking lot, restripe the, the lot. And so from Thursday, October 8th until Sunday morning, October 11th, we're going to have to stay off of the parking lot. It's perfect because we have no upward this week. So just please, starting on Thursday until Sunday morning, uh, just stay off the parking lot. If for some reason like you have to be here, you have to do something, uh, there is the, the side road there that you can probably uh, use. Just let us know. Just let us know that, but just be mindful of that. Man, it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. It's been good to be here. Uh, Larry, you're the deacon of the week. If you'll come and, and close us with a word of prayer, uh, if you will stand. I'm going to be out there in the foyer. Uh, if you're a visitor, would you please come through and just introduce yourself to me? Also, if, man, if the Lord spoke to your heart, uh, is encouraging you anyway, would you come share that with me as well? I'd love to hear from you. Larry, close us with prayer, please. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, what a privilege it has been to, to uh, come out and to worship you and to hear your, your scripture this morning, Lord. Thank you for, uh, for Aaron for, uh, for presenting it. Uh, the way he has, Lord. Father, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would work in each of us this week. Watch over us and lead and guide us. And forgive us, Lord, where we fail thee. First in Christ's name I pray. Amen.